What, did you think you were getting a TED Talk here? Welcome to Common Threads. This is an interview series with the Highland Park High School class of 1995. Go back there. Oh God, this, 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 sounds like, this sounds like something out of like some sexual harassment. <laughs> and the manager, the GM, introduces himself to me and... <clears throat> I you know, I just met him ten minutes ago, and, he, and I said yeah. I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. Uh, the bad news is is that the app that I'm trying to do this on called RevCall failed after um, I'd say 57 minutes. Pat and I spoke for about um, I don't know hour and 15, hour and 20, and I am trying to contact RevCall to see if I can retrieve that precious 20 minutes that I don't have on the audio right now. But in any case, you still get to laugh your ass off because here is Pat Sutton. Yeah, we're live. Uh, <laughs> feels good to be live. I, I, Dude, wish I, could... I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know what sound quality will be like because I've got that army of leaf blowers coming through here. And, uh, well, the sound quality on my end should be top notch. I'm talking to you from a panic room, like a panic room box. Are you? Uh, it's it's one of these boxes that you you see in co working spaces where you can walk in and have a private call, and it's great. It's got a stool and it's padded, and you can literally scream your head off, and nobody in here. Uh, Knows, knows something so, happening too. <laughs> so Slavin sent me a, a podcast on uh, real estate market and just how everybody's refitting offices. And one yeah. of the big things w- was Zoom room. So people are doing Zoom room. Yeah, this, this this is a Zoom room. That's that's where I am. But with Sans Zoom. Okay, they just call it the room. This is a, yeah, this is the room. This is a, a panic. This is a panic room. But there's glass, so if something tragic and awful is happening to you, uh, yeah, passersby should be able to spot the problem. Well, it's kind of funny. I mean, um, it's like Zoom has done such a great job on um, branding, so they're not like real estate's going with Zoom Room as well. But have they done a good job with branding? Do you think they're responsible for that? Well, did you know of Zoom two years ago? No, but but I, I'm asking if if it's because product was ubiquitous and it had a name that was easy to say and and kind of float off the tongue as opposed to go to meeting Zoom. Yeah, very I, different. I, yeah, I hear you there, but it's like Cisco WebEx used to own this space, and uh, but who says uh, Cisco WebEx? Anymore. Or WebEx, or yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I said just go WebEx, but it was man, those WebEx calls you had to endure um, early 2000s, going through all the firewall. That's why the guy built Zoom, is because it was such a pain in the ass to set up um, firewalls and all that, uh, go through firewalls to set up Web WebEx. So the guy who set up, who essentially started Zoom, said, um, "I'm just going to make this really easy to do." Um, and I'm going to set this up through a web uh, interface, and people won't have to download any software. And I, he, he's got a shady background, too. 
He's got a really shady background. Are you talking um, about Pete? You're talking about Pete Zoom, right? No, dude. I'm talking about that Chinese guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's let's, let's, let's kick uh, it off. Let's, let's kick it off. off. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to talk about the Honda. The, the you know I want to talk about the you know what were you doing in Newport Beach? When did oh. you get out there? So I graduated, and the first thing I um, I graduated, uh, I went to, after I graduated at Home Park, went to University of Arizona in Tucson, was there for four years, graduated in four, and then I made an accomplishment. accomplishment for, particularly for that esteemed institution, my alma mater, which is can be a death trap for a lot of folks. But I made uh, I made it. Graduated in '99 and then moved uh, straight to Orange County and uh, settled in at Newport in Newport Beach. And <clears throat> my first gig was working for a, a financial, uh, a capital leasing company called Amplicon. And okay. they came to, they came to Arizona. They put on a job fair. Well, they were one of the companies presenting there. <laughs> And I knew that was where I wanted to be. I didn't really care who hired me. And Amplicon gave me an offer and flew me out. And uh, that was such a panic for everybody. Their senior year was finding, finding, finding finding a job. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was really the only, the only one I really pursued after they said, Hey, we'd love you to, to come out for an interview. So how was um, U of A's like job center? Did they hook you up with local corporations or uh, was, it, was it, I mean, was it national? Because all these Ivy League schools have like McKinsey and Bain and all, all the <laughs> consulting companies come through. Yeah, not so much uh, in Arizona. It was, <laughs> uh, there was a great car rental company called Ugly Duckling. Who? Yeah. Um, Ugly Duckling was actually a used car uh, franchise, and uh, they they had a big presence there. Uh, E.G. Sandwiches, um, you could franchise uh, and do make make some sandwiches. Okay. Now, I, I, there were there were you know some regional Southwest companies, uh, but uh, the, the bigger, higher profile companies were those uh, up and down the West Coast. Uh, I believe Microsoft. I think Microsoft uh, sent recruiters down to pull some people. I wasn't in computer sciences, but I had some friends. There were. Uh, I was a history major, so my my options. No, really, I was too. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It's, and I was a humanities minor. I mean, that there that is. Just, you talk about being marketable. Yeah. Well, I always <laughs> love. I, I love hearing. Um, I love hearing these. Uh, you know, people that are, are telling college age kids, uh, you, you know, you you want to study STEM, you want to do this, and you know, you want to do computer science, you want to do uh, you want to have a, you know, a degree in something that can get you a job right after school. I just find that full of shit. I don't believe I, that. You know, it, it's interesting. I have three kids. My oldest is a freshman at uh, in high school right now. And she's she knocks it out of the park in, in math and science and, and some of the other subjects like uh, history and, and English. She she you know, has to work harder at. It's so interesting. And I have twin boys also that are 13 and they have their own, they're just wired a little differently. And so we had an interesting conversation at dinner the other night about, 
you know, what is the best fit for for certain mindsets? What subjects align well with with skill sets that that you're you're born with? Yeah. And um, and so it kind of led to all right. Well, you study this in high school, you, you're going to do great. You, you have to do everything in high school more or less. And then when you get to college, you can start choosing where you, what you want to specialize in, and then if you want to continue on, so forth. You can really get 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 narrow. Um, but inevitably, the conversation came back to all right. How do you find your first job? And um, gosh, I, I wish I wish I knew because my first job lasted six months before I saw everyone. You know, I I was I was advised, hey, look, you want to be in a sales position. You like being around people. You can you, you like to talk. So yeah. get in some type of a sales position. So this this position that I took with uh, Amplicon was. Uh, uh, essentially a sales position. What I didn't realize is that it was going to be inside sales uh, where I sat at a computer terminal and, and just banged out cold calls all day, calling companies to- Did you have a lead. script? Did you have, did you have a good script for that? Well, I was given a, a loose framework initially, but um, <laughs> I, I narrowed it down to, oh, you, you don't, you don't want to lease anything. Okay. I got to go. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was it was tough. It was tough. Um, a, I felt like I was sold a different job than than what it ended up being. Well, dude, was, I did the same. I did the same thing, man. I, I mean, essentially, I was customer support at Bloomberg, right? And it was your aunt. Nobody's going to throw you in like some big time position, right? Like, no. Um, I, it, it, there's no. I, I don't know. You you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to go through hell. Well, it was interesting, you know, when I, my first day showing up, sat down in a cube and met some of the other people in my, in my team. And, and what we would do was to call companies up. And I think we had a database from Standard and Poor's or I'm trying to remember where it was, but you would literally cold call all day, try to get to a CFO and Ask them if if they had any capital equipment needs, and it could be anything from office furniture to racking and shelving for warehouse space, all the way up to yeah. rail cars. You know, it okay. could be anything. And Did you guys get prizes on like the levels that you sold? Like you, you know, you basically yeah. had a. I'm thinking oh, right man. now. I'm thinking of like boiler room where you'd be like, yeah. Racco! <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there was there was a woman named Piper. I never saw her. She apparently was really good friends with uh, Rita uh, Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks. And she, you know, we're we're in Orange County and where our office was. Yeah. And essentially, it was a it was actually right off the 405 in Anaheim, and she was the top producer. And she would come in once a month, and you'd see her Mercedes that had Piper on the vanity God, plate, it. and it was so it. awesome. And and I remember going out to you know you you go home at lunch. We weren't making her, her name was Piper. Her name was Piper, and, and uh, she was this she was this mysterious figure that was good friends with the Hankses and lived up in L.A. And she lived um, and and she just hung with the, the Hollywood. <laughs> A-list crowd, and then she, you know, she'd uh, she just kill it, slay it. So we all saw her Mercedes that said Piper as being the deal. And my manager was a guy by the name of uh, Chuck Burns. And okay. my first day, my first day, Chuck Chuck was pretty awesome. I'm 
I'm originally from Michigan and he's a Chicago guy. So I, I just, you know, I really like his, his whole disposition. He's like, come on, young man, let's, let's go to lunch. and We're going to talk about things. So we go yeah. into the parking garage and we get to his car and he's driving a, a Corvette. And this guy did not look like a Corvette guy, but I was so shocked. It got in it impossible to get into, but I just thought I couldn't see the hood. And, you know, he kind of like just, just set the tone for what the job could entail. The Corvette being a carrot. Oh, uh, such the, yeah, I mean, such the carrot so right awesome. But then, then you, I can started drive, you can drive like a Mercedes, like Piper. You can drive a vet like me if you or, can well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I quickly found out, I started hanging out with, with my contemporaries, all the people that were hired around the same time that, that I was. And uh, I started hanging out with them taking smoke breaks and it was it was like what's that movie with uh uh with paul rudd and oh. they work at, at, at the circuit yeah. city and they're they're yeah, out yeah, back yeah. smashing light bulbs yeah it's a 40 year old virgin oh yeah 40 year old virgin yeah yeah, yeah. the so, guatemalan love song i think that's the scene <laughs> when jane lynch comes in and does the guatemalan love song is it exactly uh, what it is <laughs> so remember the scene when they're out back yeah cigarettes absolutely hammering Hammering fluorescent light bulbs. That was my life when I first got to Newport. It was just, I felt nice. like every break, they're like, hey, you want to go smoke? And I'm like, yeah, maybe. Or I'll just hang out with you for 15 yeah. minutes because I, I'm talking early. This is, this is culture, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, brutal. So what happened, like, what happened after that? What did you do? So uh, from there, I got in touch with a fraternity brother of mine. I was bound and determined not to use any family networks or anyone that we knew back home and try to make it on your own, which uh, I would highly advise. God, this sound, I mean, like, this, this sounds like the beginning of the porn story right here. <laughs> so so <laughs> I, then I found I, myself in front of a camera my, just saying, don't hit me in the eye. <laughs> no, I I ended up reaching out to a fraternity brother of mine who's who's from Newport who went to Arizona yeah. with me and his his uh, his dad had a heavy equipment company uh, that originally uh, that was cranes and earth moving equipment and they had just had a kind of a young college guy that had worked for them for a couple of years knock it out of the park and then decide to leave and and. Uh, so they had an opening and he said, Hey, would you, you know, they're looking for kind of an entry level sales guy, but this is outside sales. This is what you'd, um, uh, this is what you wanted. And I said, you know what, why not? And, uh, his dad was awesome. Uh, but this was a, a, you know, a, a pivot considerably from, from just working in a, uh, you know, a office space type environment to all of a sudden now I'm in a blue car. So uh, were you going on the construction side? Yeah, so so I oh, show dude. up, and I I am I'm in a. Small what do you know office. about like what do you what do you, what do you know about construction vehicles and well, like construction I, I, equipment? It was so fun. I mean, they, so they so essentially the owner of the company had was in the uh, crane business forever. Took took a flyer on uh, a top of the line German manufacturer of of, of uh, earth moving equipment called Liebherr. Liebherr, okay. they don't just make earth-moving equipment. They make everything. They're a huge industrial conglomerate out of Germany, but they are uh, the best of the best worldwide. The, the, the problem is most most um, uh, operators and construction sites in America can't operate 
German equipment uh, because the controls are the exact opposite. Uh, yeah, it's if probably of, things are in the metric system as well. Well, I, <laughs> no, it's it's a good point. But but you know, for example, if you're going to drive a, or if you're going to operate an excavator that has tracks on it that help it go front and back and turn around, and then you've got the boom, and then you've got the bucket that you need to dig. You know, the right hand control is your generally on all American Caterpillar. Wait, wait, wait. Dude, were you like actually in the like? Were you driving? <laughs> well, I had around? to know. I had these. I had to know these machines. So I flew to Salt Lake and had a crash course in how to operate. All the salesmen uh, taught you. Uh, went what to the seminar. It, like, was it a guy or a girl? Like, like, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> this dude. It was like six, eight, three, three bills at least. His name was Joe Kelly, and he was he was a legend. Hard hat, and we're out there, you know, pushing dirt, moving dirt. It was a, it was a test of proving ground. And um, anyway, we got to operate and learn how to, uh, you know, learn all of the specs of these machines. So then, when you're actually talking to Construction companies are actually development companies that need equipment. Right. You could you could sell them the right the right machine for the job. And well, uh, you had a, anyway. You also, probably you probably had a little bit of confidence in that, right? Just I, I, I I I love the fact that I could get out there and and stomp around at a, jo a job site. And I was driving like a Volkswagen Passat, and I had my very first cell phone. And I oh had to. <laughs> what you have? What you what you what you have? Uh, cell phone. It was a Motorola. Uh, the razor. It was before the razor was. I wasn't making enough money to be a razor guy yet. Star, I was, did you have the StarTac? Wasn't that it? Was before? no. It wasn't. It wasn't the. Uh, gosh, and what was the one that had the uh, the construction beep that you could literally push? Dude, Nextel. Nextel. Yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. I had a Nextel. That was my first one. That was. It that was. was I, I yeah. I it wish was amazing because you would like push to talk, but I didn't have anybody on my network. So I just yeah. like talked to no one, but it had this really cool walkie-talkie feature. Right. You, you didn't didn't have have to, like, no, you didn't have to open up the phone. That was the beauty of the Nextel. And uh, so, no, I had some terrible Motorola uh, that, you know, it was just a basic cell phone. But uh, yeah. anyway, I felt I felt pretty cool driving around job sites in, in Orange County and in Riverside County uh, trying to Did sell Did you have equipment. a clip for your phone? Like, yeah. Everybody... Dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I had my Red Wings from high school. I mean, I had to completely transform. I went to the oh Gap. I God, got the Chinos. Chinos, uh, you know, the standard uniform was, you know, you're trying to be a clean-cut young guy, but, but you're dealing with, you know, tough dudes with goatees that don't want to see. So you kind of have to walk this line of, yeah, I'm a rep, and I understand this equipment, and and I understand how it operates. But at the same time, I speak your language. You know, so a, I, when the I'm, whistle blows, you're a lunch pail guy, and it's probably beer thirty. So I have to. You don't want to look like a pretty boy, but, but at the same time, you you don't want to look. You know, you if if you're gonna sell a, a five hundred thousand dollar machine, you yeah you have to. You, you can't look like. Um, you know, Joey Bag of Donuts. Yeah, I'm literally seeing you as Tim Allen in Home Improvement right now. You Gosh. know, you're not Al, but you're, you know, you're Tim Allen just kind of talking to people like Al. You know what you're talking about, but I've, you're not the got, you're not the rugged. Funny, funny you should mention Tim Allen. I've gotten to know him just a little bit this these last couple of summers. He's got a uh, he's got a family place where where we are in in northern Michigan, in Leland, in Leland, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, northwest corner of of the lower the lower peninsula. 
And um, anyway, he's he's a great, great guy, and his wife's awesome, and they've got a daughter that uh, is about my my boy's age, and she is a lights out golfer. Uh, no, really. Yeah. Well, just, just you know, you so you're on construction sites, right? Yep. And then how did you get into like what happened with advertising? Well, so essentially what happened was I my parents helped my mom specifically when I was in Newport Beach she had a um uh you know a, a terrible right. back disease called degenerative disc disease or disc disorder and so essentially what happens is your 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 back kind of starts to disintegrate about 50 years ahead of schedule so she was always going in for these operations and I think you know gosh by the time I graduated from high school I think she had had 13 or 14 operations and when, yeah. I, when I was in when I was in Newport, it it was just all right. Here's every six months, I felt like I was on the plane coming coming home for something that was a a lot more serious than the last one. And, and I thought, you know what, it's just I should probably get back to Dallas uh, because you know I'm just kind of spinning my wheels here. And there's nothing, yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing dude, here, it, so. that's that, that's a tough thing, man. It happened to me in London. I mean, my mom, you know, I'm, she she essentially she said, don't worry. We've got, you know, uh, these tests came in, but you could hear it in her voice that something was really wrong. So you, you almost, as a child, there's there's something primal that says, okay, yeah, I gotta get out of here. Like, like, let's get out of here. What am I doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you so, came, you came back to Dallas. Now, were you seeing your wife then? Were you? Yeah. Guys- so Holly, Holly and I uh, have been married for seven, seventeen years. We got married in two thousand four, but we started dating when uh, I met her at Arizona. So okay. She was a year ahead of me. So to kind of walk it back, she she graduated in ninety eight, and we did long distance for my, and we we started dating in ninety seven. So we dated for a little less than a year at school, and then she graduated, and uh, she moved to Hollywood. So it was logical that I moved to out there, and um, and so when I was in Newport, uh, we were dating that whole time, and it it literally felt like long distance. I mean, to oh, it is from it Anaheim is. to L.A. on a Friday is two and a four or five hours. hours. It's the worst. <laughs> so I mean, that was not a lot of fun. But when I, you know, she and I talked and said, "Hey, look, I've got to get home," and and um, so she was awesome and said. Sounds good. You know, maybe I can make the move too. And her family's originally from Dallas, so uh, it wasn't uh, a crazy. And she she was born here, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Her grandfather lived in Greenway Parks, and so um, she said, "Okay, you go and you get settled." And and she she actually moved here about six months after I came back. So we we kept dating, you know, which was which was awesome. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my, uh, with my life and, uh, had it interviewed in at quite a few investment banks thinking, all right, now it's time to get serious. And, Are you and, serious? Like yeah. with investment, but what the fuck is the deal with that, man? Like, why did we gravitate towards like think, thinking bank investment banking was a solution? Right. So, that's a great question. And if you, Think of the the dot com boom. If you think about the timing of yeah of when we graduated from from college in particular, what was happening? I, I didn't feel called to get involved with real estate, and 
you know, when I was, particularly when I was in California, almost all of my friends, the majority of them that I graduated with that went to California, went to San Francisco and pursued banking careers. And then a lot of them started pursuing their CFAs. And I felt that, hey, maybe this is, this is what you need. Gosh, everybody's doing it. And I had worked, I, did, I worked for two years after the construction gig. I went to work for a financial PR firm where we represented really small micro cap companies and tried to essentially garner investment from, from brokers, um, kind of the, the tough way of just picking up the phone and, and getting them to listen to your story. It was super old school, but it got me real comfortable on the phone. And um, we got to um, represent some really fascinating companies, but I, I, I thought, through my exposure there that, that it, you know, investment banking was the, the logical, it was like the Holy grail. It's like, you just, you just heard that that was, gosh, you really want to make it in life. The investment banking way is it. Such, it's, it's such a load of crap. I mean, I just don't, <laughs> the worst people in the world are in the financial industry. I, right, I, maybe entertainment, maybe entertainment, but overall, <laughs> overall, finance I, people are just they're dull. They, you know, <laughs> they, like they don't have good BS. They want to like the true finance guy, right? The people that are real nerds about it. I became this guy. Like I was like, oh, well, well let me tell you about. You did. There was some, there was there was a, there were a few years where I was like, dude, he is wheels off. Can't talk to him. Nerd alert. Yeah. Kelburn has jumped the shark and yeah. <laughs> I'm going I mean I'm going full like I full conversation about bond yields and why it's a good idea to invest in an instrument that pretty much yields two percent. Uh, it's so well, stupid. <laughs> but but it was it was great for me to to go through that because all the no's that kept coming back, I was I was just you know, kind of throwing my hands in the air, just going, what is wrong with me? Why can I not convince these guys that I should, I, they should give me a job? And yeah. it was the best thing for me because they realized that that was, you know, I wasn't the fit, you know, I, I wasn't wired to jam the way they jam and put in these 18 hour days, crunching numbers, especially starting as, as an analyst and working your way up that just didn't appeal to me. And they clearly saw that I was not the guy. And, well, I was, and, and they probably tried to show up like their Excel spreadsheet skills. Hey man, I know the shortcut. You're like, dude, I don't give up. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I, I still find myself on YouTube looking for Excel help for some time. Oh, <laughs> being, a, being a history major, I was like, I, I just, you know, miss that part of life. And so well, he, here's what's better. Here's what's better. My wife is a Excel whiz. I mean, she's like, she has excelled at spreadsheets. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, she's, she's a nerd. She's a nerd. I, I don't know if she's coding VB, like visual basic stuff, but I won't ask her questions about Excel because I know I'll get so pissed off when she like tries to help me. <laughs> Oh man! So I'm on YouTube all the time, all the time. <laughs> Which is interesting. Uh, you know, we as in our mid 40s, I was just listening to a discussion about this. How we use YouTube as our information source. However, uh, and we're part of Gen X, but uh, Gen Z millennials and Gen Z uh, in particular, you know, view YouTube as taking too long. 
as no. the, the format is is almost too uh, strenuous to sit through and wait through. So, you know, we, we've had this conversation about TikTok in particular as being, you know, these these massive absorbers of our kids' attention. But the, the reality is uh, millennials to an extent, millennials still use YouTube as, as a, uh, uh, a resource, an information resource. But um, Gen Z come in. Gen Z, Gen Z, Gen Z is all about TikTok. So Gen Z will go to TikTok for um, for Excel help before they wow. will go to YouTube, and they will find it because we we have a tendency. Those of us that are less experienced and don't spend time and speak the speak TikTok, uh, speak the language. Uh, we have no idea what is literally on that platform, and it's it's way beyond you know people dancing. It's, it's yeah, it's incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. how. But it's the key is it's a short form content and and yeah know, as we've seen all of us that have kids seeing attention spans whittle and whittle and whittle and and this kind of well talked about um, kind of movement of the way the human brain with all this computing power that we've we've uh, seen develop over the last fifteen years ten years in particular at warp speed how now shorter the shorter we can get it, the better. And uh, anyway. Well, no, so, I mean, that's really interesting. Just the fact that you went into advertising and you were probably doing print, billboard, all of the, I guess they call them old media now. Yeah. And you're... So so when I moved back to Dallas, I, I you know, couldn't find a job at any of the banks. And uh, I ended up thinking I've got to... You know, my, my parents, my mom in particular, I... I you know, was she was a hard ass, and she said, "You can live here, but times times kind of, you know, just kind of pointing at the watch, saying <laughs> you haven't been doing a whole lot since you got home while I was in her clock ticking. Yeah, clock ticking. I was like, I've got it. I've got to make some money. So I I went up to the Highland Park Village, and I had worked retail. I did a stint in college. I went to Boulder for a summer, and. Uh, um, Moved in with Justin Spence and Hunter McGuire and a painter from Colorado Springs named Craig who smoked Marlboro Reds. It was just awesome. Um, the four of I us lived it. together for six weeks, uh, six or seven weeks, and I had so much fun. And same deal. I, I showed up there and I was like, I need to find a way to pay rent and cover my cover my nut while I'm here. So, so wait, you were, you were living in the village? Wait, where were you living? In the village? Wait, uh, hold in, on. in Boulder? No, yeah, oh, the, in Boulder. Oh, so you went to the, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went right. subleased a, a back house, and uh, Justin Spence, uh, his, his dog, Dally, who m many might recall, beautiful Dalmatian that had a very long tail that had a penchant for knocking over dip cups. Yeah. Dally and Hunter and Craig. And um, I went down to Pearl Street. Those of you that know Boulder, that's kind of the main drag for the, the concentration of shops and, and restaurants and bars. And um, I just kind of went and applied every place. I mean, from scooping ice cream to, to waiting tables and um, to selling clothes. And Abercrombie and Finch was the only place that called me. Were you like one of those models for the <laughs> Abercrombie CEO? <laughs> yeah. On so, the private plane with your shirt off? You're like, yeah, if you, hey. If you think about it, so that, that was 90, <laughs> call it 96, maybe, I think summer of 96. Uh, yeah, 
And if you think about Abercrombie, it was so hot. I mean, think about the Woods Cologne. Smoking. Ah, Woods Cologne. So good. The Woods Cologne. And then you just think about those amazing carpenter pants. (laughs) All the layers. and and How how much plaid did you own? So here's the deal. So they gave me a job, and they said, well, you obviously have to wardrobe in our stuff. They give you a a, – a stipend to spend, it's like 65% off, something like that, to, to buy a few staples. And I didn't have much money, so I was able to buy summertime. So I bought two short sleeve shirts that were plaid, mind you, and a pair of cargo shorts. And they had a strict rule on what you could wear in terms of footwear. They had, you know, Abercrombie approved sneakers. And back in the break room, they, you know, they had all this stuff plaqued. It was just plastered all over the wall. So Thankfully, I had shoes that were already <laughs> Abercrombie approved. There were these awesome um, uh, Adidas Trail Runners, uh, which had the torsion bar. I don't know if you remember. We all wore them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they were they were they were great. That was part of the Abercrombie look, which is I guess a benefit of coming out of Highland Park. I mean, those, I mean those those like I think those were the frat cruisers before New Balance became yeah. frat cruisers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there there and it it was it was great. So, you know. First week, I'm selling clothes, learning how to fold sweaters. My my manager, his name was Bradley Younger, and I'm still friends with him today. He's he's awesome. He lives in Ohio, but uh, we just hit it off. He's a couple years older than I was, and like, man, you're a new guy in town. Let's start riding bikes and hanging out. So we we had so much fun when we weren't actually working there. But funny story, it was two weeks in, and and we were really we got the word that the regional manager was coming to visit the store. So the store had the yeah. tip top shape. And you know, when the uh when God, they come please for an inspection. Me, please tell me it, it the person's name was Piper. <laughs> it was not Piper. That would be amazing. <laughs> she got out of the capital gig and, and then she's uh, into retail. Yeah. So yeah. So, <laughs> We stay, you know, the night before, we all have to stay late, making sure the everything is folded down correctly, back stocks in order. We Everything has to look just top-notch for the big walkthrough the next day. So uh, we're all nervous. We get to the store a little early, open up at 10. It was a nice, you know, and Boulder in the summertime can get really, really warm. So I I was not a big T-shirt under the uh, the the dress shirt or top shirt guy right. and so um plus i, I, I feel, like, I feel my, like that's an east coast thing it, uh, it definitely is an east coast thing but it was also a high school thing i mean you look at yeah uh, early right. early early 90s yeah it's know, very ben steverish very just, ben steverish or, or go back and watch friends i mean all those guys okay. are wearing wearing you know undershirts so uh but when i got to boulder i realized gosh i've got to ride like you know, three miles on my bike to work. And anyway, so point is five minutes before the manager shows up, Bradley tells everyone where to go. And he's like, Pat, why don't you stand up front? Um, and we always had a couple people by the front door, you know, the greeter. Street, a greeter, but, but also to watch uh, theft, you know, Pearl street has a ton of people and it wasn't uncommon for people to go in and snag stuff off you know, tables up front and just bolt. So it was kind of a twofold deal, but also you want, you know, to, to just make sure there's presence there and guide people in the store. So <laughs> the manager comes in, meet him, he introduces himself. He's got some kind of shoulder bag and he's got two or three other assistants with him. And 
spends a few minutes kind of going through and everybody is just bowing down to this guy. I mean, he is, he's big time. And, um, you know, I'm just a temp guy for the summer. I just like, whatever, super nice, <clears throat> kind of makes a lap at the store. And then my manager, Bradley comes up to me. He's like, Hey man, um, can, uh, can we see you in the back, the back stock? And I was like, uh, uh -oh. yeah, sure. Is there a problem? He's like, yeah, um, not, not really. Just come with me. I, I was a little confused. I got somebody covering me by the front door and <laughs> I go back, go back there. Oh, and the, this and this the sounds like, this sounds like something out of like some sexual harassment. <laughs> and the manager, <laughs> the GM introduces himself to me and I, I just met him 10 minutes ago. And, he, and I said, yeah, um, is there a problem? And he said, well, you know, we at Abercrombie have a very firm dress code. And I said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm well aware. And, you know, I made sure all of my stuff was looking good and everything was clean. And uh, apparently one of the, uh, one of the big no-nos is exposed chest hair. <laughs> what? <laughs> but he said, so they well, like, they, I, they like so the there just shaving and shaving, like, shaving. So my problem was I wasn't wearing an undershirt and I had two buttons undone and I just had full Burt Reynolds just there. You go. I love it. I love coming out. I mean, I, yeah. I, have, I have a hairy chest. It was just like, I, Hey, it's 90 degrees at 11 AM. I mean, it's going to be hot I, today. Did, I mean, like, so did you, did, I, I did you think about home. manscaping right then and there? Were you like, maybe I we didn't know what manscaping <laughs> was. That word hadn't been invented. The thought of, of a dude literally trimming hair on his chest to to come into the corporate corporate line just seems so ridiculous. But I got sent home. I got sent home Shut for, up. like by lunch no, to you go didn't. home and put on I got sent home to go put on a undershirt and to come back. So and so this, I got on I, my I mean, like is, got, is this whole experience like with Abercrombie <laughs> it, 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 is this when you started becoming really stylish? like you you turned into a very stylish person oh like, I, I always admire hey, what <laughs> what you wear style is in the eye of the beholder i i don't know if i call it style but i definitely you know after being in the retail business and you kind of understand a little thought what goes into uh designers uh as they as they create stuff it, it, it does get interesting but um uh, are you still there yeah, 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 I'm here, okay. man. I think my, yeah, uh, just listen. AirPods are getting low, but uh, okay. No, so I, I, you know, kind of had an interest in in how clothes work. I learned a little. I learned a lot actually in my seven weeks, uh, including when too much chest hair uh, yeah. can, can potentially get you fired. too much. Um, so anyway, when I came back to Dallas. Uh, that that was my first retail experience. So when I was looking for a job and I came back to Dallas, I went up to the Highland Park Village and thought, well, I've worked in retail before. I'll just see if any stores up here need help, holiday help. Uh, it was it was a little bit before Thanksgiving, and um, I applied to every store in the village, uh, which at the time uh, I can't remember if they had an Abercrombie store or if that had left. I said, well, they the had north, uh, on the north side. I, Dude, I was, I mean, I worked probably three jobs at the village. So there was like, uh, I worked at uh, the limited. I thought they were going to install a structure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, there was the limited. And then um, 
And then I stole snow cones at um, at the village, and then I was a waiter at like one of those little mini restaurants. Um, but I think Robert Talbot was there. Like, yeah, and then I mean, Harold. I, I had Harold. I had Banana Republic. I had. Uh, oh I yeah, I remember Talbot, the, uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the corner where the Beretta is now, and before that it was the Seven Eleven. But you know, I, I basically did the whole loop, um, and then. And, and Ralph Lauren was kind of the long shot, and that was the only store that called me back. It was just like, you know, it was like Abercrombie and Boulder, and they uh, had a spot position on the men's floor. And they hired me, and I thought I would, um, you know, kind of be there for six weeks, work from Christmas to, to uh, I'm sorry, uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas, just through holiday. Yeah. And I ended up being there for two years. And uh, it was it was incredible. You know that that if anybody wants clientele there is just fantastic. I mean it's just uh, in, absolutely yeah, it, fantastic. It was it was really interesting. You know I I became really good friends with the other guys who worked on the men's floor. Two of which were um, had been there for over ten years each. And so they had you know big books of business. They they would you know and in the majority of the time. <clears throat> most of the people that walked through on the men's side wanted to see either Ed or Taft. And, um, and that was, that was hard at first. Cause you're like, Oh man, gosh, you don't get a lot of foot traffic or just browsers, especially in that. You know, yeah. But quarter, when they, when they come in, when they come in, it's, it's usually like what? $5,000 suit. Yeah. And you know, and those guys were always just blow right past me. They're like, ah, it's Ed Taft back there. High five and having a great time. And, uh, just popping cocktails. <laughs> it was. It was. Would you uh, like a drink? I'll have one too. Um, well, that, that's exactly what. What do we And um, you know what I learned when I was at the at, at Ralph Lauren is if you if you've been into that store or something like it, it was, it was just this magical living room that you could be in that that they created this world around you, and that was what. Ralph is so good at is, is telling a visual story, which, you know, kind of led to the progression of getting in advertising. And uh, you could, you could be in this world of, of that, that Ralph Lauren had created uh, and every room was different. You go, yeah. uh, you go upstairs to the home collection and, you know, they've changed that out quarterly. And, and again, it's, it's reinforcing this, this notion of, these these different destinations and these different mindsets that you could be in a hunting estate in the English countryside and then you could walk into the next room and you are you know you're you're some island in the Maldives and everything about it in the transition going from room to room is the same also in the women's collection so you learned uh you know a lot more in terms of visual it's, communication it's crazy because every store, like every, you know, major store um, is, has that theme. We went on my honeymoon, we went to uh, the Paris store and they have like a really famous restaurant there. And yeah. I mean, it, was, it, it was so amazing just walking through uh, the restaurant and then the store. It's, it's another world. Yeah, it it is. And I, that's that's what. Oh, and, dude, and that was my uh, Bradley Cooper. That's when me and uh, Coop kind of met up. Did, 
Did you yeah. see Coop at the polo at the polo? Yeah, bar? we locked eyes. We locked eyes. He was coming down the stairs. I was going up. We definitely. Gosh. He was speaking French too, and was, I I was really impressed. Um, that might have been before he stopped drinking. Because if he no, saw you today, I think he like he's been sober for a long time. I think yeah. he's been sober since he was um, twenty nine or something. No, this is two thousand uh, two thousand eleven, and he I don't I don't know what he just filmed, but. We were walking outside, and there was like 50 photographers that started taking pictures of anybody that walked out of the store, and yeah, just, uh, just waiting just, for it. Yeah, just just trying to get anything. Uh, it was nuts. I mean, it, it was nuts. And I tried to get a picture from one of them. They were in typical Parisian fashion, were like tough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was a uh, ended up being you know a, a an incredible experience. You know, yeah. professionally and personally, it's it's humbling a little bit to work at a work in retail after you got a college degree. You come back and you see parents of people you know, and and you know, I I would get well. How long you've been working here? I I didn't know you were working here, and I hate that. And it wasn't always like, fun. It wasn't I mean, always fun. Did, you, like, did oh. you feel bad? Like, did you feel as if you were not worthy? If you were inadequate? Yeah, or I mean, that would, it, it would definitely piss me off. Um, you know, I would have those moments of just, hey, you know what? I'm I'm trying here. I'm, I'm trying to figure things out. I'm yeah, su- yeah, super young and don't know what's going on just yet. But um, I'm I'm just. Well, that, I mean, that always meantime, that, that always bothers me when um, you're you're kind of looked down upon about a position like a career. It's a job. At the end of right. the day, it really right. doesn't. You know, it's not family. It's, you know, and, and that was, I think, probably the best thing. I, you know, you, you get in a position, whether you're, you know, waiting tables or selling clothes to yeah. you know, and, and some people may, uh, uh, you know, think that that's somehow, you know, kind of uh, a less, you're than, less than them yeah. position, yeah. but it is so incredibly rewarding when you think about, you know, what, what you're actually doing and how that, how that molds you and shapes you, you know, to any anybody that's had uh that's worked in an environment where where service is you know in the service industry period it's hard it's hard to do um but gosh when you come out of it you come out with such a different perspective and um yeah you know it's, i just it, it's the one thing where if you can put yourself in someone else's shoes it's and see how they like try and empathize yeah with people it helps you out in life so much. Um, and the service sector, just you have to do that. You have well, and, to think about others. And, and that caliber of retail, too, where it, it, you, oh, just, yeah. you know, that stuff, the merchandise in a, in a Ralph Lauren is not necessarily a commodity for most people. I mean, they come in expecting an experience and, and the interaction with the salesperson is can either make it great or it can make it terrible. And, well, I, you know, I, I, yeah, and I think you're absolutely right about that. I um I remember my first shot, the first shirt, like nice shirt I ever bought was from that uh, Ralph Lauren shop, Sea Island Cotton, and I wore that thing until I, I got out of like sophomore in high school, and I wore that, geez, up until I was probably 25. I mean, it was just ridiculous, and I never, t- I I think it's still in my closet right now. And then you went to Sea Island, Georgia, and you're like. Where do they make the cotton? Yeah, where's what? the cotton? 
that Ralph Lauren is full of shit. <laughs> I mean, that's Tasha told me that when he uh, when he's putting stuff on menu, a lot of people like when uh, the restaurants put stuff on menu, uh, they'll put Scottish salmon just instead of salmon. They'll just yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Every little bit helps create a little mystery. I will say, you know, uh, working at Ralph Lauren was amazing. Uh, Some of my good friends today were people that I work with. Uh, all throughout the store, and then met some incredible people that were um, customers that uh, still maintain relationships, and that's that's been really cool. cool. But that's really one, cool. One of the uh, one of the funniest <laughs> I had there. You know, when you're selling clothes, it can get pretty personal. You know, you're literally putting a garment on somebody's body, um, and and you know when you get into when you get into the clothing in particular, which is suits and jackets. <clears throat> pants, things like that, that require alterations. It's, it's a whole nother world. <laughs> how do you feel? I mean, how do you feel about when you were doing the alterations about actually the legs? Yeah. Like, so, so I, get, I, getting down on your knees, like, so, so I mean, just eye level. I did have these two guys <laughs> come in one time and they had clearly been drinking at the casino. And, uh-huh. and these two guys came Mambo, in. Mambo taxis in the they, polo shop. Sounds like couple, an afternoon. They had a couple of mambos. It was a Sunday afternoon. Sundays were the best. The stores only open from twelve to five, but you could work a half day as you normally would, half half as many hours, and it could you could either knock it out of the park and Rothwell used to have a really attractive commission structure, which is why, you know, their salespeople were really good. And um and so, you know, it made working Sundays a lot of fun. And I I wasn't married and or, or I was married actually, but we didn't have kids yet. So had flexibility and uh I had these two guys come in and you know they were their whole goal was to mess with me and when you work for a publicly traded company you you just roll with it you just <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so uh they wanted to try on all these pants uh they asked me to measure an inseam and I you know oh, no. <laughs> I was just like and they're laughing How many did you measure that day? I I actually um called carlos down from the alteration shop upstairs <laughs> carlos was able to get in there and uh, down the, you needed the support oh man but i'll tell you that wasn't that that ended, and those guys those guys didn't even buy anything they took up an hour of my time and it was so frustrating i was like oh gosh they're just messing with me you said um, hour of just looking at crotch first. but 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 you you got to see all types of cats that would come in there uh, yeah. this one guy would come in every saturday morning after playing tennis cross at the dcc and he'd come in and he would every saturday get starbucks come in in his tennis gear and walk the floor and he'd touch everything he had this very odd you know kind of routine where he would literally touch every garment and kind of run his fingers over it and try to see like, huh, what kind of fabric is this? And, you know, we would change out every few weeks. Uh, We've definitely re-merchandised from, you know, maybe every week or so, uh, kind of switch things up just to keep things fresh. But, you know, you're only getting new merchandise every few weeks. But the fact that this guy came in all the time, so finally, and he never bought anything. And, um, so finally, and Saturdays were big days. Generally, you saw a ton of volume, and you wanted to be ready. And you wanted to hustle when the door opened. You know, that could be your next big customer. But I got stuck talking with this guy, and uh, he's like, yeah, I want to try some shoes on. And I was like, 
huh, this is interesting. Okay, you want to try some shoes on? So he picks two or three different kind of loafers, and I yeah. <laughs> went back and pulled them out. Keep in mind, he's wearing tennis gear. And um, so he puts his Starbucks down, and I kind of get down uh, in front of him. And, and in the men's room, in the men's clothing room, there's this really plush uh, blue velvet couch. I remember and, that, yeah. And and there's a there's a bar set up. And there's a TV above it, and there was Sports Center. There's typically Sports Center on Saturday and college football, if it's if it's the fall. And and um, <clears throat> so he's kind of distracted with with that while he's he's getting ready for me to. I unbox the shit first pair of loafers and pull the paper out and uh, kind of get it in my hand. I'm ready for him to slip in. I've got I've got the shoehorn ready to go. And I'm on on a knee in front of him, and he hikes his knee up, and I will never forget. I will never forget what fell out (laughs) from my face, but an entire entire scrotum. I mean, the whole thing. And he has no idea. And he's hiking his 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 leg. That sounds like that sounds like the Premier Club locker room. (laughs) <laughs> one guy, like one guy, put his leg up on a on a on a stool, yeah. and you just got and full tr- view. And like, I, and I try. Hey, that was pretty good, wasn't it? If you want to help me cover the cost for the show, I'd really appreciate it. If you can go to my website, catfix.biz, that's c a t f i x dot b i z, and donate just a few bucks. I just need to. This is taking a lot of time to produce. And the equipment's not that cheap. Hopefully, I have this all set up where you can just put in a credit card or possibly Bitcoin if you really want to. Uh, but it's going to be through Stripe, and it's just it's on the catfix.biz. Click on Common Threads, then you'll see the donate button. Thanks, guys.